0: All right, I want to give you the whole sermon in a sentence, and then I'll take another hour to explain the sentence, all right? <clears throat> Today, I want you, for the sake of your souls, to waste time for Christ, or with Christ, better said. For the sake of your soul, I want you to waste time with Christ, Now, here's part of why I say it that way. First of all, in our Western society level of thinking, we have this mentality that seems to press on us that we have to be productive with our time. Now, that comes across in a number of different ways, and it's been part of our Western way of thinking for a long time. Take, for instance, Benjamin Franklin, who said in that old English style, dost thou love life, then do not squander time, for it is the stuff that life is made of. And that underscores that basic reality, that drive for us, that says we only have so much time, especially time in this day, and so we need to make sure that we use it. One of parents' big deals with their kids as they're growing up is teaching them how to manage their time with the idea that we need to be productive with our time. That came across in this saying, and we don't know who said it first, but it's worth repeating, that if you were given on any given day, as a matter of fact, on a stretch of any given days together, you were given $86,000 to use as you wanted on any anything in the course of your life during that day. The catch on it was that you could not save any of it for the next day. You didn't get any guarantee what was going to happen the next day, but for today, you got $86,000. How would you spend it? The idea from that is, as we look at it, and you can do the math later, but I think in my head it says that it's right. The fact is that every day, we are given 86,400 seconds to do something with. At the end of the day, you don't get to bankroll whatever's left until you have more time tomorrow. Every day, 86,400 seconds, what are you going to do with that time? And our Western thinking says we've got to pack as much as we can into it for the name of, or for the sake of productivity. That's so much a part of the way we think that it begins to infiltrate our spiritual lives, And so if I put you on the spot and say, how much time did you spend in prayer this past week? No, let's make this a lot more uh, relational for where we are today. We have Bible school, Vacation Bible School, that starts here tomorrow. Okay, I've, I've really been enjoying watching the kids, watching the stuff up here today. Uh, in the chapel, if you hadn't seen it, you ought to go through over there at some point and see the artwork that's been done back there. It's been great work. whoever's done it over in the Family Life Center. It looks great. Everywhere you look, every, we're ready for Vacation Bible School tomorrow, starting at 1 o'clock. We're hoping for 4,000 children. <laughs> well, the teachers aren't, but I am. Um, it's been busy around here. We have teachers and adults who are... In this moment, still now thinking about tomorrow and the stuff they got to do and get ready for tomorrow and 1 o'clock tomorrow when that all starts, we're going to have an influx of children around here and it's going to be like uh, chaos for a while. How have you used your time preparing for that, teachers? Say it this way. The productivity. We've got to push it all together. So how about this? Tomorrow, do you think you're going to have time for an extended prayer time? Martin Luther, long time ago, said this. I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. See, that doesn't resonate with us in our Western way of thinking because we have too much to do. Now, here's how I want to pull all of this together. By the way, we're in Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. But the reality of our time is that, or the times in which we live, is that time is a commodity for us. And we don't really know how to spend it best, and so we end up just kind of spending it. Uh, and then there are these things that kind of creep into the way we spend our time that serve to distract us. I call it electronic ADD. Have you noticed? Here's your homework for this week. All right. I want you to go out and I want you to just watch people. By the way, that's the cheapest form of entertainment ever created. All right. This place is a zoo. The people keep, just watch, just keep your eyes open. But especially I want you to watch people with their phones or their iPads or their tablets or whatever it happens to be. The electronic stuff that we take with us has created for us this condition that I call electronic ADD. Here's how it works. I'll pick on my daughter. She's here. Lauren, a true child of her generation, has a smartphone. Now, for many of us, our phones are smarter than we are. But that's a whole other discussion. And in our course of discussion, Lauren often sits in our living room or wherever we happen to be, and we're talking, and when somebody, any somebody, chimes in her ringer for her text messages, it's so fluffy, I think I'm going to (laughs) die. And so when that goes off, what happens, in your opinion, with Lauren and the conversation we're in? Immediately, it goes from this kind of connection to or at least it could. I'm not saying it does. I'm saying it could. So she goes here. Now, her lips are still involved in the conversation, but her attention is at the point of the phone. Have you seen this to be true in public? All right? It is electronic ADD. When something triggers something in us, we go to that. Here's another point of your homework. Go out in public, and particularly eating places, and watch, just scan the room and watch people who are sitting there focused on their phones instead of on each other. All right, now, understand, I'm not throwing rocks at that. I'm just describing the times, all right? And stuff I said about Lauren, I'm playing that up, obviously, for the purposes of this sermon, We have ADD when it comes to our electronic use of time. We can be engaged here, and something triggers it, and we immediately go there. Now, the reason I think that's important, remember, it's all under this umbrella of time and the use of time uh, and how we approach that in our Western world towards productivity, and what I want you to do is waste some time with Jesus for the sake of your soul we have this spiritual ADD that kicks in too. You you see, we're no different in our relationship with God then that kid is or that person is in your house who immediately goes to the text message when it comes in or needs to go to Facebook or to Twitter or to Instagram or whatever else it is that captures their attention. And so we're all over, we're scanning the electronic world and we can't lock in on anything. And that's true for us spiritually. We get so locked in to the use of our time that we end up saying, I don't really have the ability to focus on the voice of God in my life. not here throwing rocks at electronics, what I'm trying to do is highlight the reality for our lives and that is whether you have electronic ADD or not, you probably suffer from a little bit of spiritual ADD. And the problem with that is that it gets in the way of our worship. It's been a great time of praise and singing in here this morning i just thoroughly enjoyed watching uh those who lead us as well as listening to you as i could you know i like sitting up front because i can hear it come across me here's the truth of the matter our busyness can rob us of the primary business of our lives which is worship In this passage, we're in Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 46 in just a moment. What I want to do today is to unpack for us one word. Now, we're going to look at the entire passage of Scripture, and this goes through verse 56, and uh, 46 through 55 is called Mary's Magnificat. It's the first word that gives us that subtitle heading, out of the Latin version of the New Testament, the first word of that verse is magnificat, and it is the word that we call magnifies. So as we come into this today, here's a few truths I want you to get from the very outset. When we encounter God, worship is triggered. Now, we come back to the background of this whole passage. Mary had an encounter with God through the angel Gabriel who came with God's message that said... Everything changes for you now, an encounter with God. And we're going to see as we read through this that Mary worships because of that. But that encounter itself uh, that triggers our worship often gets closed off or it's impeded the opportunities for that because we're so busy. When we encounter God, our worship is triggered, but the other reality is our busyness impedes the opportunity For us to have that encounter in the first place. That's our spiritual ADD. And so this passage now helps us to address those problems. Let's read verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold... remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And then it says that Mary remained there with Elizabeth for three more months, which by the way would have been to the time of uh, the birth of John the Baptist, and then she returned to her home. Let's unpack this word because I would just want to kind of spend our time, and we're going to talk about the whole uh, set of scriptures there, but I want to really focus in on this word called the Magnificat, or as the English Standard and King James calls magnify. Now, if you're in the New International Version, it says glorifies, and that's an okay translation. Uh, but as you go to a dictionary, you can check it out. Uh, there are multiple definitions for this word magnify. The last one in most dictionaries is the word glorifies or praises. And so it's a good translation. It just loses something the NIV does there. The word in the Greek language and in the English language is the word Magnifies. Let's talk about that for just a second. Now, I can remember going um, to visit a family member. I won't say in here who it was. Uh, they might listen online and then, you know, then there you go. So, let me just say they won't because my grandmother's been dead for a long time. <clears throat> I can remember going to visit my grandmother and one of the things that my brother and I used to do was dig through the stuff in her house. Um, and particularly, I like to go and look for uh, a magnifying glass that she had. You know the kind I'm talking about? It, some of you won't because you're not old enough to. But in the old days, they had these big, round magnifying glasses that had just a handle on it. All right? Now, why do you think my brother, who's two years older than I, why do you think the two of us liked that magnifying glass? Because you can burn stuff with it. All right? So I want you to think about the term here magnifies. Now there's two applications for it and we're going to take the second one primarily in here but the first one has something to say to us too. So we used to take that magnifying glass and go outside and you can take that thing and take all of... Now I'm not a scientist, all right? I don't even play one on TV. I just know a little bit and I know that one of the things that happens with a magnifying glass is it gatter, gathers these scattered light rays, I guess, and pulls them down and if you get that Thing to just a certain point, it takes those light rays and focuses them into a single spot. Is that close enough for you scientists out there? Okay. I don't know the science of it, but I do know this. You get smoke quickly if you get it right. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I burned, whether it was alive or not, whether it had my brother's name attached to it or not, but I can tell you, if you do that right with a magnifying glass, you can gather that stuff and push it down. And the concentration of all of that energy into one spot gives a response. So let me just stop there for a second. And back to my electronic ADD and AD, uh, spiritual ADD. See, one of the things that happens is we get so distracted in our daily living and our use of time that we fail to take all of the stuff of God, and I mean that in the most positive sense here, his character, his holiness, his activity, his mercy, his power, all of those things that we live with every day that out there, if we don't bring those down and focus them in, then we begin to sense that there's no power there and especially in this thing we're called talking about being storytellers and telling people about our experience with Christ and the call for us to be witnesses for him, if we have all that available to us and we never take it down and push it down, then we don't have much to say except this dead kind of religion that the world wants no part of. But boy, when you gather all of the godness, if you will, that comes together, that what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and he does with us, when you pull all of that together, it is a powerful point of reference in life. That's the bringing down and shooting down to start a fire part of a magnifying glass. I want to take the other side now for a second, or for several. The other part of that magnifying glass that I got to like after I'd been outside a while and got tired of burning stuff was You can take it and if you pull it far enough back, then the words on pages get huge. And you can see stuff even in a leaf. Now this is a fake one here, but you could see stuff with the aid of a magnifying glass that you can't see just with the naked eye. So with that in mind, what might be, this is audience participation time, what might be a good, easy, working definition for the term magnify? To make bigger, to enlarge. By the way, that's the number one definition in a dictionary. It is to make it bigger, to enlarge. So when Mary says in verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord what is she saying now we can just default to the glorifies and we'd probably be right but we'll miss some of the meat that's in her words see the structure of this passage is important for us also verse 46 and 47 put together uh, now the whole thing is a hymn by the way Mary sings this song, if you will. Uh, But 46 and 47 together are a good picture of the Hebrew, that's the Old Testament approach, of poetic parallelism. Now, essentially what that means is this poet would say one thing and come in underneath it and say the same thing with different words. Now, that's easy enough for us to see. That's what the uh, NIV pulls off of as they uh, translate that as glorifies. But there's something in here that I want us to be sure that we get. There's a verb tense change that happens that our English doesn't catch. The second part of this, where she says, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, actually is an aorist tense verb, which basically means past tense. It's a point in time. It's a description of something that happened at a point in time. Mary says, and my soul rejoiced in the Lord. It's past tense. That's the encounter. She reflects backwards. That's a key word, reflects. She reflects backwards to this incident. Let me just remind you quickly, she was an unspectacular person from an unspectacular place. And God broke into her reality and he says, blessed are you. This is going to be something that is going to blow your mind. And her response, as we find in verse 47, a point in time and my spirit rejoiced in the Lord. But the first one, the magnifies word is not an aorist, not a past tense, not a point in time. It's present, it's open-ended. There is an incredible reality for us in that. I had an encounter with God, I rejoiced in the Lord in that, but the continuing result of that is my soul Magnifies God. How do you make God bigger? That's the language she uses. I don't think it's by accident. She could have chosen any number of words to talk about worship and praise God here. She chooses the word magnify. Before I go any further, let me just ask you very quickly. How long has it been that you found yourself? caught up in the magnification of God, the glorifying of him because of his presence in your life. Remember what I said about watching people? It's a cheap, thrilling pastime. This week, um, (laughs) I was driving somewhere here in town, and I pulled up to a red light, and uh, that's a great place to watch people, by the way, is when you're driving, I pulled up in a red light, and this girl pulled up beside me. As far as I know, she wasn't a member of our church. If it was you, thank you for the entertainment. Um, I pulled up here, and this girl pulled up next to me, and it was best for me because she pulled up a little further than I was, okay? Which means she couldn't see me watching her, all right? That's important. Two things. First of all, you know, I didn't want her thinking that I was some weird dude, you know, staring at her at a parking red light. But um, better than that, she pulled up and I could watch her, and she was lost in song. Now she wasn't listening to the radio station I was because the song didn't fit with what she was doing. Uh, she was lost. I mean, she was singing, throwing her head back, and, you know, dancing in there, and I thought. <laughs> Couldn't pay good money to get this anywhere else. Not in the place I'd go to anyway. So um, <clears throat> people are something. All right, so let me take that picture. She didn't know anybody's watching her. If she knew it, she'd die. I'm telling you, she'd die from what I saw. <clears throat> How long has it been since you got lost in worship like that? come back to it. We're so, we, we're so Western minded. We got to pack more and more stuff into our day that before we know it, we got our day so packed full that we're distracted easily because we got to go from this to that. And so we throw things into it that help distract us. Like Tablets and cell phones and that kind of stuff. And then on top of that, those things have a way of just robbing us of the opportunity for an encounter with God. And so we go months, years sometimes between those encounters with God that change us. And that forces us into this old, tired religion that just goes through the motions i just put it to you this way. Let me just get right down to the bottom shelf. Why did you even come to church today? And the reality is that a lot of people in churches across America today come to church because that's what I do on Sunday. I don't intend to get anything out of it. It's just part of my religious life. And so church becomes the distraction in our spiritual ADD. Let's look at Mary real quick because I'm running out of time here, I want you to look as you go through this. Here's some more homework for you this afternoon. Pick up from verse 48 all the way through verse 55 and study the verbs. And I know most of you out there, teenagers especially, going, oh, the school stuff. Oh, grammar. I hate English grammar. Well, I get that. But let me tell you something. Some of the great Bible study is done around verbs. Look at the verbs of this passage as you go through Verbs are action words. Nouns are names. Verbs are the action. It describes the activity that's happening. And Mary is describing God here and his activity, not just with her. That's the first couple of verses of the Magnificat. But then after that, she starts describing the activity of God. And as she does that, she remembers, key word for today. I said earlier, recalls is a good, a good one. Now, remember, as we come to those times in our lives, when we waste time with Christ, it gives us the opportunity to remember the activity of Christ in our lives. I did that a little bit this week. Spent a little time with my brother. Now, he lives in Oklahoma City. He came down, had a couple of days of vacation, spent a few days with my folks in Huntsville and came down here on Tuesday afternoon. That's because the law won't let us both be in the same town for more than a few hours. And um, So we spent a little time together. Uh, his wife and one of his daughters was here and we had a great time. I don't get to spend a whole lot of time with him anymore. Um, he's one of my heroes uh, in life and so it was a great opportunity for us to be together. But in our time together, I started remembering stuff of our life together. See what that took? It took him being here and the trigger for me to sit down and just remember. Because we wanted to spend time with him, so we put the rest of our life on hold for a few hours. And we just sat down and we talked, which triggered the memory You see what I'm saying with that? The same applies in our Christian lives. We get so busy with the stuff of life that we don't remember and we lose track of things before we know we've gone months without remembering the activity of God in our lives. And so the business of worship gets lost in the busyness of our schedules and the opportunity for those encounters just trickles away. Why do you suppose Mary could remember Like this. What's going on? I want you to put yourself in her position for a moment. She was this nobody from Nazareth. And the angel Gabriel shows up and flips her world upside down. I want you to put yourself in her position the moment that Gabriel leaves. What do you think she did? What do you think she thought about in the hours immediately after that encounter? And we know from last week's message, passage that we looked at, that she left there and went almost immediately, so she made haste, almost immediately she went to Elizabeth. And as I said there, scholars tend to believe it's probably a three or four day journey for her, probably walking uh, through the backside of this nation, this little spot on the map called Israel, uh, and so as she's moving from Nazareth to wherever Elizabeth was in the hill country. What do you think she was thinking about? Do you suppose that the words of that angel were reverberating in her head? I'm going to have a baby. Now that's the. I've got. I got to believe that. that took her a while to get over that one. But then the significance of the baby, not just the miraculous conception, but the significance of the baby, I have to believe that it just dominated her thinking. One of the reasons I say that, I give her a lot of credit as being a thinker, is because in the Christmas story over in Luke chapter 2, there is that verse that says after all these people from the outside, the shepherds, I think it was at that point, who came to be, to see that newborn child who was Messiah. It says, and Mary observed all these things and she pondered them in her heart. Mary makes God large in her thinking. So for us, Here's a practical suggestion for us quickly. I want you to waste time with Christ. Now you understand by now, when I say waste time, I'm talking about from the way the world says we should spend it. But for the sake of your soul, waste time with him because in the wasting time, which means we remember, uh, then it enlarges God. Now, you've got to know it doesn't enlarge who he actually is. It just makes space for him in our hearts. And as we do that, he moves to the center stage of life for us. So you push the agenda to the side. You push the stuff of the day to the side as best you can. And you remember, I want you to look at this passage again as you go through it this afternoon, looking through these verbs and that kind of stuff. There's three primary areas that she focuses her comments about God. First of all, it's on his power and on his holiness or his character, and finally also on his mercy. Do you see those three strings being played on the song of your life through the years? What about God's power for you? Have you seen the power of God as it comes to bear on your situation? When I ask that in churches, actually I prefer to ask it in smaller conversations because I love to watch people who have had those kind of encounters with God as their face just lights up with what God's done for them. People who had diseases that suddenly were not there. People who were on the brink of financial ruin and suddenly God stepped into that. Or people like me who had trashed their lives and God reached down and he pulled them out. We need to make space to remember. But if we don't, we get locked on the treadmill of our times and we just burn that energy and God seems to get further and further onto the shelf so I want to give you very quickly here in the time we have left some practical suggestions for you in remembering here's the first one carve out some time and space now I say it that way on purpose you're going to have to do this because the world will schedule you up as a matter of fact, if I pushed you right now, some of you would say, man, my week this week, I'm full already. I look ahead at the week and I'm tired on Sunday because of the stuff I know I gotta do this week. If you don't carve out time and space for an encounter with God, it won't happen unless God does a miracle to make it happen, which he will do. I, I, from personal experience, I can tell you, God will put you on your back in a hospital bed if that's what it takes. So carve out some time and space and as best you can, make it zero interruptions. <laughs> you can do that while you're driving. I know some of you are going, wait a minute, no distractions, that's not true. Listen, I know, I'm, I watch people. Most of us drive with half a brain most of the time anyway. Is that not true? You ever get in your car and go somewhere and you get there and you go, how did I? You don't even know what you saw on the way. You know why? Because you're driving with half a brain, okay? You're, you're, you're kind of physically doing it, but your brain's somewhere else, okay? Well, if that's the case, won't you use that time to remember? I did that yesterday. I had an error and I had to run, and I was running, going, to, I wouldn't run. I was driving across town on Chase uh, Chance Cutoff, right? And I was all the way across town before I realized, but in that time frame, I was thinking about some things that God had done in my life years ago and I was worshiping. So cut out some time. Carve it out, the space to do it. Maybe it's in the mornings, maybe it's in the evening, whatever the case, carve it out and do it. Here's the second one. Take a Bible, but don't make it a Bible study. There's time and a place for Bible study. I'm talking in this case where really the whole goal of this is to remember And triggering worship. Take a Bible, but don't use it as a Bible study time. Here's a good verse for you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. As you go into it, Scripture is important, but remember. Thirdly, here's a good prayer for you Open my eyes to see your handiwork. I say this because I think that most of the time we're kind of oblivious to that. God's activity is all around us. You don't believe that? Walk out this afternoon and study the tree that's in your yard. Those things that we are afraid are going to fall on our houses or whatever else it happens to be, go look at a tree and consider the incredible wisdom that goes into that tree. Just the making of it. And then on top of that, the sustaining of it. And look at what God has done in this world. Open your eyes to see the activity of God. And so pray that way. God, help me to get this. Fourthly, be receptive. I say this because I want to add to this. Uh, don't fill this space up with words. We don't like silence. For teachers out there, they ask a question in the classroom, they know somebody's going to answer it. And if they don't, the teacher gets uncomfortable with the silence and they'll answer their own question rather than let the sentence just sit there. Waiting for an answer. We don't like silence. We especially don't like it when we're t- prone to be a little bit uh, distracted with other stuff. So go with the intent of saying, God, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait for you to speak to me. And lastly, let the worship flow. Be like the girl in the car. It doesn't matter who sees you. If you have an experience with God and where God visits you in a very real way, an encounter like that that triggers worship, then nothing else really matters in the long run. Unless, of course, you give other people more importance in your life than Him. Mary's song here challenges me some would say yeah but it was a different day and age she didn't have much to do she was a nobody from nowhere maybe but we could also say that God used her in a way that he would never used anybody else in history and so maybe she has something to teach us I'm not talking about putting her on a pedestal she didn't belong on we've got a lot of parts of church that do that That's not the deal. That's not even her deal here. The reality is that she serves as a model for us about intentionally thinking about God's activity. And when you do that, you'll have a song too. Let's pray. And so as we come to this time, let me just ask you with your heads bowed and eyes closed, what is your song today? Do you have to come to church in order to worship? Is it up to Brian and the musicians up here to do the right songs at the right tempo for you in order for you to worship God? Do you have something in your life that you can go back to and you hold on to it and you say, No, I know that God is real and I'm His? And for you, how far back do you have to go for that? The reality is, God doesn't just show up in your life. He's always there if you're his child. He always wants those encounters that trigger worship. And so, Father, as we come to this time, we ask that you would take it, take us, and do with us what you want. Help us to get this right. The fundamental level of the Christian life, which is to worship you and to respond to who you are so easily. We get distracted away from that. And we don't be intentional about safeguarding that encounter with you. So help us today to make the decision to commit ourselves, even in a busy vacation Bible school kind of week, to carve out time for you. In Jesus' name.